welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and we'll be talking about Prince of Egypt. Jan, would you like to give us a little recap of this movie? So Prince of Egypt is a 1998 movie starring uh, Val Kilmer and Rafe Fiennes, among others. It is the story from the book of Exodus about Moses. It's pretty much straight out of the Bible with a few ex- few things deleted, a few things added on, some great songs. And it starts from the time Moses is born and goes until the parting of the Red Sea. Yeah. It takes us through all that. So let's start where we usually do one way too seriously with uh, talking about the quality of this movie. Is this a good movie? Like, yeah. is this well-made and well-done? Yeah. I totally agree. And one of the things I said when we were... Like, this is DreamWorks. It is. And one of the things I said before we sat down to watch it is, it's kind of surprising to me that this is DreamWorks because of how good it is. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, when we if you've listened to our Megamind podcast, I don't mean to be talking smack about DreamWorks all the time, but uh, it's... Uh, They've become a clone of other things. They're a yeah. clone of Disney. They're a clone of of uh, Pixar. They're, it they're, always feels like they're a step behind. Yeah, and in Prince of Egypt, they really feel like they're a step, above, step ahead. And even if you put it out today, it would seem like, I mean, ahead, I suppose, is uh, completely subjective. But it seems like it's something no one else is doing. I think a lot of movies suffered when they decided to go 3D. Yeah. Everything, like, you know, at the turn of the century, suddenly we could do computer animation, and suddenly everything got 3D, and something suffered. And weirdly, like, the story suffered. I don't know why, because they were too busy worrying about the computer animation. And a lot of, I mean, maybe, and also a lot of the distinctiveness of animated style suffered and has like there are a few um, Pixar is a reliable uh, studio that produces things that have distinctive style and there are occasional standout movies that have a recognizable distinct style but computer animated movies very often tend to all look alike in a way that like and especially Right after this, like Prince of Egypt is kind of one of the last really good 2D movies. And I mean, I'm sure it wasn't all hand-drawn in 1998. Yeah. But after this, it was kind of a poor time for movies because it was exciting. Yay, we can use computers. Yet it wasn't up to what it is now, which is actually good computer graphics. Right. Well, I mean, and we can talk about other movies there's a, you know, the technical aspect can be great, but the artistic aspect still needs to be there. And there was, I think, for DreamWorks specifically, a real uh, fallow period where they let the artistic aspect of their movies go yeah. to suffer, to focus on the technical aspects. And then their technical aspect wasn't even all that great. Yeah. Like, probably technically they aren't lagging behind Pixar, but they're not like blowing anyone out of the water. Anyway, to focus on this movie. This movie. This movie is 2D animated and the characters are all either Egyptian or Hebrew and they all have a distinct look. You have very like a very from the time he's born, Moses has a look to him. Yeah. That continues until he's quite old 
And Ramses, his brother, has this has a look to him that is this Egyptian look, and it's very they're very distinct from each other, and you can really tell, and it really makes the movie. And it's quite, I mean, it's, it really is quite a thing uh, in terms of character design that you know they basically all have the same hair and skin and eye color. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they, especially Ramses and Moses, change ages quite a bit. Yeah. Moses' hairstyle changes, and yet. There's never any problem recognizing which one is Moses. Yeah. And that, well, a simple way to recognize an animated character is to dress them in the same thing <laughs> or to have their yeah. hairstyle be distinctive. Even non-animated movies, like you watch a movie and there's 10 white guys with brown hair and square jaws and you're like, wait, which one is that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the character design on this movie is great. The animation, I'm going to say, was beautiful. Yeah. And if we're talking about animation, I want immediately to... Let's talk about animation all the way through before we move on to something yeah. else. And let's... I want to jump right to Moses' dream sequence when oh, it's yeah. all like the uh, Egyptian art coming alive and showing him his past. This is exactly what I'm talking about, about like the artistic yes. level rather than the technical level. I don't know how technically difficult or easy that was to do, but I do know artistically it's inspired. It was yeah, beautiful. It was beautiful. It was really compelling to watch. They mm-hmm. told the story very well and also symbolically. Yeah. Like you have the armies chasing Moses with spears, but and then you know he sees his past, but he's in it, and the art they're like moving over the pillars and throughout the architecture. Yeah. That is really... I just thought it was a beautifully a animated beautiful sequence. sequence. Yeah, it was a beautiful sequence. And the other uh, really impressive visually sequence is the parting of the Red Sea and then passing mm-hmm. through the Red Sea. And the part, again, in terms of probably technically not difficult at all, but just uh, when they're walking through the Red Sea and there's fish and whales swimming by. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It really is beautiful, and the animation throughout the animation is excellent. Yes, But it absolutely. has specific and, moments that are very memorably moment, beautiful. the moment where he meets God in the burning bush is also very interesting, and they have kind of it change colors, and they have this kind of radiating uh, circles of waves coming out from the bush. Yeah, and the, and mom- the, and the stones on the ground vibrating away from him, and all this That's what I was really going to say, evocative, I really like that. Yes. Really evocative moment. I really, really like the yeah. visual of the stones moving away from the bush, like very. Yeah, I just felt like they really put a lot of work and care into the to the visual style of this movie. Agreed, agreed, absolutely. But without taking anything away from the entertainment of it and the the actual like, it's a good story. It's but it also is appropriate for children. Like yeah. It does have a lot of scary elements to it, but our kids who are eight and six were able to watch it without mm-hmm. being too scared. Let's talk about the uh, vocal performances, the acting in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. What did you think about the acting? Um, it was, I don't know if it was on purpose that Moses was vo- voiced by an American and Ramses and his father were voice- voiced by uh, Brits. I noticed that. Yeah. I mean, it's a typical American thing that the American, the most likable character has an American accent. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I think that is, you know, a marker to us that Moses is part of 
the Hebrews. So mm. when he's with his Egyptian family, he talks differently from how they do because he's an outsider among them. Yeah. Yeah. He's also, uh, Val Kilmer, as well as being Moses, is the voice of God in the really? burning bush scene. Here I am. Take the sandals from your feet. For the place on which you stand is holy ground. That's an interesting so that's, choice. And that's the same as in the Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston was Moses and God as well. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. So that's a, it's kind of a traditional thing for Moses to be the voice of God. Huh. Which... I don't know. That adds kind of a weird element of like, is he just talking to himself? Yeah, it certainly does. Is it in his head? Interesting. Yeah. I thought Val Kilmer did a perfectly good job as Moses. Mm -hmm. He kind of uh, disappeared into the role. Like I did not recognize him at all. I didn't. And even in terms of disappearing into the role, like Moses in this movie is a bit of a cipher. Like he doesn't have super strong personality even mm. the very beginning he does yeah. but like in terms of even the vocal performance it's pretty uh, uh i'm gonna say again what i said it's a, a cipher you can identify with him as opposed to someone like even you know ramses is much more uh distinctive as yes. a character yeah. than moses is um yeah, I thought all the vocal performances were good. Yeah, and Patrick Stewart the, was it's always nice to hear. Yeah. It's hard to judge his uh, acting objectively because I was just so happy to hear his voice. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the singing voices were all different than the speaking voices. Right. So you have uh, Danny Glover being Jethro, but Brian Stokes Mitchell is the singing voice. And Honestly, I don't remember Jethro talking all that much. He mostly is just singing. Like, he's that main song, the tapestry. Yeah, it's a pretty big, uh, it's a pretty small number of lines to cast a pretty big name for. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, like, Brian Stokes Mitchell can talk. Yeah. (laughs) Like, why not have him do the whole thing then? That's weird. Yeah. Were they all? I noticed, like, I didn't think that, uh, I, didn't think that Sandra Bullock's voice sounded like her voice. No. Miriam's singing voice sounded like Sandra Bullock. But it was everyone's singing voice. No one sang their own? Um, definitely Moses was not. Moses' singing voice was not Val Kilmer. Ray Fiennes sings a tiny bit, and it seems like that's right. his actual voice. Uh, that's it for, I mean, and then Jethro sings hmm. a song. So that's... It's interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, and it's Helen Mirren as the queen, but her singing voice is not Helen Mirren. It's uh, uh, really? someone else. So, yeah. Anyway, so, I mean, this is a nice point to uh, move on to the other aspect that I wanted to talk about in terms of the quality of this movie, which is the music. Yes. I mean, the singing was all, I thought, good. Um, I especially, in terms of singing, I especially liked uh, Jethro's. Brian Stokes Mitchell as Jethro's singing the tapestry, yes. Look at Your Life Through Heaven's Eyes. Yeah. Uh, I that was a beautiful song. I really liked that song and I listened to it outside of this movie. And then, like, apart from the quality of singing, just the quality of the songs and music. One of the things I haven't watched this movie in a long time, I think we watched it 
long ago with our older daughter. Yeah. Uh, and that would have been the second time I'd seen it. Like, I don't, I haven't seen this movie a ton of times. No. It's probably the third time. I had forgotten most of the songs. Mm. And I was really impressed with them and with the kind of klezmer quality to the music. Yeah, that's, I love that about it. The klezmer, like the very Jewish sounding music to it. was beautiful. Jewish story. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was very appropriate for the story. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, maybe not all the songs are, are super memorable. The, uh, Live Your Life Through Heaven's Eyes and Deliver Us are the two that are most memorable. Miracles. Miracles. That was the actual, the breaking of the pop hitch. Oh, was it? Yeah, Mariah Carey and someone. I can't have it. I just watched the movie and I can't have it. Whitney Houston. When you believe. Okay. There can be miracles when you believe. Though hope is frail, it's hard to kill. Who knows what miracles you can achieve. When you believe, somehow you will. You will when you believe. It's a nice song. I enjoyed it at the time, but, uh, you know, we watched it half an hour ago and I can't hum the melody now. It won Best Original Song at the Oscars that wow. year. Wow. I mean... As I said, the klezmer sound of the music yeah. throughout was really good. I really enjoyed it. Mm. And it very much was, it made it feel, have that biblical feel because in the Exodus story, you have uh, Miriam singing mm-hmm. real songs. And so it felt to me like it was really appropriate to have it be a musical, not just because it's this animated feature, but because of the content because of the story you should have it have although songs. miriam didn't sing a song at the point where miriam sings a song yes uh, that's true. biblically miriam mm-hmm. sings right after they crossed the red sea and there wasn't a song at that point but they were dancing with some tambourines then though they were yes they were yeah um so i think we basically have tipped our hand in terms of this but we talked a bit about the quality of it in more objective terms mm. uh how should you enjoy this movie yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I would say it's uh, definitely rewatchable. I would watch it probably. We watched it at Easter time, and I'm probably watch it again next Easter. And it's a it's a perennial favorite. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I have not obviously you're more familiar with it. And yeah. You've seen it more than I have, but uh, I really liked it. We watched it as you said with our six year old and eight year old, and they both really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. They you know, it held both of their attention. It's a true family film. There's kind of something to enjoy for everyone in it. Yeah, agreed. I mean, there wasn't a ton of humor, but no, in fact, I I actually know from when it came out that they wanted that they had a lot of scenes with uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short are the two priests of Ra, and apparently they did have a lot of scenes where they were these kind of comic relief, funny characters, and they deleted a lot of them because it felt inappropriate for the source mm. material. I agree. And I agree. I think I'm, I think they made a wise choice. 
kind of a waste of Steve Martin and Martin Short for the amount that they ended yes. up in the movie. Yeah. But I think it was better for the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think you needed. Like I think there was like I feel like there was a bit of controversy at the time or something. About oh really? This, but I can't I remember, remember exactly. That. Yeah. So let's take this movie way too seriously. Way too seriously. Uh, I immediately was struck by how uh, Moses' wife Zipporah is uh, really expanded from usual retellings of this story, and even yeah. far expanded from what. She, is told of her in the Bible. Yes. Um, and it seems obvious that that was deliberately to expand the role of women in this movie and this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kudos. Yeah. Like, I think that was really good. Yeah. And she was an actual character and she was, an, you know. Yeah, she had her own motivations and her own, uh, she has her own agency. She escapes from the castle or whatever at the beginning with a little bit of a little bit of Moses' help but only in the he distracts the guards for two seconds so she can yeah. fully escape but she it's even more like he just doesn't give her away like he distracts yeah, the guards you're right. but it's not even so much like he distracts the guards so they won't catch her as that he has a moment where he could give her away and he decides not to yeah i feel like that's doesn't actually take away from her agency. There was a bit at the beginning when she first appears in the movie. She's mm-hmm. uh, like as being a captured slave that the priests are giving as a gift for yeah. Ramses, and then uh, because she's so uh, feisty, feisty, he gives her to Moses instead, and then she escapes. Right? Um, how I'm. So there's a problem potentially with, I mean, there's always a problem when you have a woman being given as a present. Yes. Uh, and there's a problem potentially with that trope of like, she's not your standard submissive woman like women usually mm. are. We offer you this delicate desert flower. <laughs> Let us inspect this. Desert flower. More like a desert cobra. <laughs> Not much of a snake charmer, are you? That's why I... Right? It's so surprising that she has a will of her own, because that's not what we expect from women. Yeah. That's a subtext, I think, to the way that she gets presented. Yeah. Like, the, she's her shrinking desert flower, and then she's not. And that's, yeah. everyone's like, what? Um, so that, that was, is a bit of a problem. I feel like they don't go too far into that problem, but it's, it is there. Mm-hmm. And something we've talked about before and way too seriously is even when you subvert a trope or a sexist representation, there's still some harm in producing it at all. Yes. So the fact that she's his, you know, sex slave, even yeah. though she says, I'm not anyone's property and she escapes and he says, no one should be a slave. Still, you put that on the screen for my yeah. daughters to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's some problematics there. And then, on top of both of those, I can't quite decide what I think, whether I like it or don't like it, that uh, Moses already knew Zipporah when he comes to the desert, mm. right? That It's possibly, it's part of expanding her role, which I like. But it's possibly, um, you know, 
there's two women in the world, there's his sister and his wife, there couldn't be a third, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, I think I think it works that they gave her this role in this agency, and so you really do care about her before he even goes to the desert and meets yeah. her family. Basically, I agree with you. But I yeah, just... I can see where the world is a little small. Yeah, and maybe not in terms of, like, sexism, just in terms of the thing that happens in movies sometimes, where yeah. everybody knows each other. Yeah. There's five people in this universe. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, the person that he runs into in the middle of the entire desert is someone he already knows. Yes. <laughs> right? That's not necessarily a sexism thing. It's yeah. just a small world. Yeah. Um, any other uh, gender sexuality issues that you want to raised that was my the only thing that really yeah struck i mean me. uh does it pass the bechdel test kind of if you count singing as talking because yeah. miriam and zipporah sing a song together that is just about god not about a man not about moses not about you know it's about miracles yeah but i don't know that's like <laughs> You shouldn't have to stretch to pass that test. And because it's you a do. pretty low bar. It's a pretty low bar, and that bar is not really passed. No. So there's that. True. Um, but then again, there's not a lot of talking at all between characters in this besides Moses and Ramses. Like, Agreed. It's the two of them. Is that it's their story. I wish that Miriam's role could have been expanded a bit. It felt like she was a little bit... She's there at the beginning and she's doing stuff and then she's just kind of cast aside and then she comes up, oh, at the very, very end. Yeah. And I felt like there could have been more of her throughout. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And then you might have had more talking between her and, and Moses' wife. Zipporah. Call her by her name. Zipporah. <laughs> agreed. They're, they sing together, but they don't actually talk to each other. So in terms of uh, racism in this movie... Uh, it's about Egyptians and Hebrews, and they're all portrayed the way biblically they're portrayed. Uh, they're all played by pretty much all white people. I mean, Jeff Goldblum, I assume, is Jewish. Right. But, yeah. But Egyptians, I mean, yeah. You don't have Egyptians they're... playing Egyptians in a very, you know, and that happens in every Ten Commandments movie. It's true. Give Elizabeth Taylor playing. They're drawn, they're drawn with brown skin, but they're yeah. not played by people with brown skin. Yeah. Except for Jethro is played by Danny Glover. Right. Um. Hmm. But Jethro's daughter, Zipporah, is played by Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes. <laughs> and Danny Glover doesn't have a lot to do. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. So that is a problem. So it is, yeah. Basically, I don't have a lot to complain about in terms of this movie yeah. other than what we've already said. Like, uh, I think mostly it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and they uh, get credit in my mind for a lot of what the what the choices that they make, especially in terms of expanding Zipporah's role. And, and in terms of, like, making a movie that's about the Bible, making a movie that's about a spirituality, the origin of both Judaism and Christianity, in a very respectful, very... Uh, um. Yeah, respectful is the word I want to use. Respectful way that doesn't minimize God, doesn't yeah. 
make fun of God, doesn't uh, try and say, oh, the plagues were actually an algae in the water that caused the frogs, that caused the gnats that came from, you know, which they could do. And there is a role for that in a way. Yeah. But I appreciate that, that, that it's a straight up biblical story saying it like it is portrayed in the Bible and in the Torah where this is God doing these things. This is not a natural phenomenon portraying I, God as he's portrayed. And I feel like, I mean, in terms of that also, I feel like, uh, Exodus is maybe one of one story that is easier to do this with. Yes. But I feel like they did a very good job of making a movie that, I mean, I'm not Jewish, so I, I'm speaking from a perspective. Yes. Take that. I'm a Christian and speaking from a Christian perspective. So if I'm wrong, correct me. But from what I could see, they seem to have done a really good job to tell, do a telling of this story that is respectful both to Jewish and Christian. Mm. Uh, and frankly, uh, people who are just interested in the story. Yes. I feel like that's uh, possibly easier with Exodus than any other biblical story, mm. but still, they deserve some credit for doing it as well as they do, yeah, I think. I think so too. And I think that uh, there's a lot of bad biblical and Christian art out there, a lot of cartoons that are like for yes. children and that are Bible stories that are really poorly done with poor music and poor acting. And it's nice to have something we can show our kids that isn't terrible. I mean, in the, the song about look at your life through heaven's eyes, I think is a great example of that because at the same time, it's a moral and spiritual perspective that I can get on board with, mm -hmm. but it's also, um, I don't know. It's not like it's, uh, the kind of ham-fisted, proselytizing garbage yeah. that a lot of Christian art feels like it needs to be that makes it, you know, be Christian but not art. Yeah. Uh, and that Look Through Life Through Heaven's Eyes is a great example of it is just holds up as a song mm -hmm. uh, and as poetry. And, like, the, it begins with the idea of, you know, the thread can't see the whole tapestry, which is a cliche, and yet the poetic uh, language of the song manages to pull it off anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's both good and seriously good. Agreed. Both good and seriously good and quite good mm -hmm. and quite seriously good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, guys. We're just listening to this again, and we realized we kind of glazed over and missed a few things, so we're going to talk a little bit, just add a little bit of extra bonus here at the end for you. One is about race. Right. We talked about race in the actual episode, and listening to it again to edit, I feel like we glazed very quickly over some things. Yeah, like, it's, it's mostly white actors portraying people of color, and that's just... It's a problem. That's not, like, if we're going to take this way too seriously, that isn't something we can just pretend is okay. No. That this is something that happened in the more recent uh, Gods of Egypt, what was it called? Uh, Exodus, Gods and Monsters, something, something like, that, like that. Where it was, once again, 
hey, there's white guys playing Egyptians. I'm like, that's just, it's not acceptable. It's a racist thing that yeah. Hollywood does. And we shouldn't have just said that, like, oh, they're drawn browns. So that's okay. No, yeah. not okay. We. It's a, we, it's a point against this movie. It's definitely a point against it. I think no, we got a little wh- too much into, oh, we love this movie so much. And I love this movie so much. But there are some negative aspects and that is one and of they're them. serious like yep. and when we brought that up at the time we kind of started to take it seriously and then moved on but yep. let's go into a bit why is that a big deal because there are so many roles for white people white people becomes this like just to be neutral is to be white and that's not true there are people of every race and uh so people should be given the opportunity to play characters that are them and to represent themselves on screen. And even in a cartoon, there should be, oppor- especially in a cartoon, there should be opportunities for people from Egypt, from Egyptian descent to portray people. Right. And I mean, That's the reason that, that right? I think so. And the right. reason why we originally uh, kind of gave it uh some positive notes on it is in terms of representation, we see people of color on the screen and Mm -hmm. that's good, but there's a whole other aspect of it that we're aware of and we glazed past inappropriately Mm -hmm. that seeing people on screen is one thing, giving people the opportunity to employ their art and their craft is another thing. And there's because so many roles exist for white actors it's an added insult yes. when this is a role that's specially written for an actor of, you know, Northern African descent, but we're still going to give it to a white actor. Absolutely. Like, yeah. It's an insult. It is. Yeah, exactly. So the other thing, we're we good with that. Okay. The other thing is uh, we mentioned a lot in this podcast about uh, this movie being portrayal of the Christian faith and the Jewish faith, and they're a very much kind of an origin of both of those. The Exodus story is Passover in the Jewish faith, and the Exodus story is very pivotal in the Christian faith as well. What we didn't mention was, of course, Muslim faith as well. It's all three of these religions. that right. And Moses is in the Koran, and at the end of this movie, there's a quote out of the Quran as well. Do you, did yeah, you remember at the it end says? of, I don't, um, okay. I could look it up, but off the top of my head, I don't remember. But okay. after the final credits, there's a final shot where uh, we have three quotations on screen at the same time. And mm-hmm. one of them is, I believe, from Leviticus about there's never a prophet like Moses raised up for the people of God. Another is, I believe, from the book of Acts, but something in the New Testament uh, that says, Um, Moses was the prophet of God. Mm -hmm. And then the third is a quotation from the Quran that says something very similar. Moses was the prophet of God who spoke for God. Yeah. And the point of it, I want to give kudos to the movie for something that we trying to take it seriously totally missed and failed on. That they deliberately are, are positioning this as a film that they hope speaks to all three of those faiths. Mm-hmm. And we kind of left one out just because we were being stupid. Yeah, exactly. So this movie does a cool job at, yeah, doing all three, bringing all three faiths together. And I hope that it shows people that the origins of 
all three of these major world religions have their roots in this story. And this movie does a really good job of, of showing that. And we said in the podcast uh, earlier, we said, you know, we're Christians and are seeing it from a Christian perspective, though we're trying to uh, see it with open eyes. Mm -hmm. If you, dear listener, are Jewish or have a Jewish perspective, we would love to hear your uh, opinion of how well this movie does. And likewise, if you are Muslim and have a Muslim or have a Muslim perspective mm -hmm. from a Muslim background, we would love to hear your insights on how good or bad a job this movie does absolutely at representing things from that perspective as well because mm -hmm. it seemed to us like it does a good job but our perspective is obviously limited yeah absolutely as much as we study we can't change our backgrounds right so so thanks so much for listening to this little extra bit here part i think we're come to the end of our podcast so yeah. let's tell people about where they can find us so, if you'd like to continue this conversation, if you'd like to give us that feedback that we just asked for, you can find us on Twitter at WTSCast. You can email us at waytoseriouslycast at gmail.com. Either of those places, we'll read and respond and be interested in what you have to say. Mm -hmm. I've really been enjoying some of the responses we've got on Twitter lately. We have, yes. Especially about Wizard of Oz. People were really into that. So, yeah. ooh, we'd love to hear more thoughts. As we're recording this, we just got a bunch of response from Wizard of Oz, and it was very exciting. Mm -hmm. um, you don't know how much that makes our day. It's, it's <laughs> kind of ridiculous how much that makes our day when someone talks to us about our podcasts. It does. <laughs> so, if you want to make us happy... That's one way. Another way is to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever system. You, I mean, no one cares about ratings on anything but Apple, frankly. Yep, exactly. Sadly for everyone else, yep. no one cares except Apple. So just open up your iTunes on whatever device you have and just give us a little rating, even if you don't use it to download our podcast. Yeah. Go there and rate it. And a review is even better because yeah. then we get to hear what you have to say. And the thing that makes us even happiest of all is, hey, give us money. <laughs> We're on Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash clockworkscast, where you can pitch in as little as a dollar a month, as much as $500 a month. Just kidding. I'm, Maybe. No. <laughs> Do it. Do it. <laughs> Our top uh, tier is not five hundred, no, so you won't get anything special. Yeah, we could we could give you something special. We'll, I'll create I'll create a five hundred dollar tier after we've recorded this. I'll create a five hundred dollar no, tier. No, that's ridiculous. Um, we do not expect that kind of money. We're but we, but if you want some extra cool bonus content, hey, dollar a month, three dollars a month. And you, yeah, you some, may not. Some cool stuff. Did you know every patron? gets an extra bonus episode of WTS every week mm -hmm. uh, where Jan and I uh, have a trivia showdown that Jan usually wins. Always wins. Uh, you Once you threw me a softball. Oh, right. Won. Yes, that's true. I guess you won the one time. So if you want to hear that, uh, become a, our patron and you can. Okay. And there's lots of other great we've, things and we're going on We've too gone long. on too long. We've gone on too long. But the problem this is, is the I don't know how to end this pod, This is the podcast without an outro. If we have an outro. It's this. This is the end. The end. Goodbye. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>